0: To spend 16 days uh, with him, Jason and I, and Myanmar back in December, so I got to know him really, really well. But I wanted to introduce him. He's going to come share a little bit about what's going on in Myanmar, a little bit about what he's doing in his ministry. Um, He's actually the director of Myanmar for FIP, Faith International Partners, and he also has his own church running about 600 people there in Myanmar. So he's busy. He's got a big church. He's got 59 missionaries that that report to him. So he's a, a very busy man. So let's give a hand here for Brother Paul from Myanmar. It's his first time here in America, too. First time out of his country.
1: good morning everyone thank you so much for bringing me over here to share some of my ministries as brother Dustin said this is my first time in US and everything is new to me and but I thank God for bringing me to such a beautiful beautiful country you are a very privileged people Thank you so much. May God bless you and America. And uh, my name is Paul. You can call me Brother Paul. I am from Myanmar. And uh, as Brother Dustin said, Brother Dustin and Jason came last time. And we spent together time in Myanmar. And the Lord has done so many great things. And it was amazing. God has brought more than 40 people into his salvation. And this is the way that we have connected with the Temple Baptist Church. I thank God for giving me this privilege and thank God for the pastor, Pastor Carter, and all the staff and all the members. I have been watching this live stream in Myanmar, and now also my family are enjoying watching me (laughs) back in my home. So, I praise God. And uh, in Myanmar, in the year 19, in the year 1813, a man called Dr. Tajasan arrived in Myanmar to share the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was the first missionary into Myanmar. And after staying six years, he, he won one man for Christ And by one man, now we are many, many Christians and churches in Myanmar. This is the fruits of you American people have shown the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And not only that, in 1907, Dr. Carson, Dr. Nelson, and other people have come to the Chin State while I live, and they have shared the good news, and we became a Christian in mostly in T-State, we are 99% of Christians because of the foreign missionary. Amen. Dr. Carson and Dr. Nelson, I gave a respect from here also. And because of the American missionaries, we learned living God and receive salvation. Gathered together for worship the Lord. Our lives start to change. Our living standards are changed. Now we are also ready to share the good news. To the many unrich people in Myanmar. Because there are many unrich people yet to hear the word of God. So I want you to pray for the country of Myanmar. As there are 89% Buddhists dominated our country. Who never heard about Jesus Christ. We the 59 people of the missionaries are ready to go and share the good news to those people. So we need your prayer. We need your help. And we need your continued prayers. And another one that I want to say is, I have saved when I was 14 years old. And I know that the Lord has called me to do his ministry. And Luke chapter 10 verse 2 was my calling verse. Therefore said unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray you therefore the Lord of the Harvest that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. So I would like to uh, share with you some of our ministry activities, and because this Temple Baptist Church is helping to support thirty-five of our men in Myanmar, such a great support we have. Thank you so much, and uh You see this one number of tribes and uh, the total population is fifty four million religion buddhist 89, muslim four point three christian is just six point two in myanmar other one point five The official language is burmese, of course, I do not belong to burmese I am one of the tribe of people called zomi. I belong to zomi people and uh, This is uh, the map of the country. Oh, this is my family. Yeah. And uh, I have four children and two boys and two girls. And uh, this is uh, teaching the word of God to, to, to the youth people in my church and then this is personal counseling. Personal counseling is the very most effective way for us to win people to Christ. Because we can see their need. We can see their condition. Through their conditions and the need, we can give the gospel to them. So that they can believe Christ and receive Jesus Christ as the personal and Lord. After they became a believer, we baptized as the Bible commanded us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And also, this is Bible distribution. Many people need Bible in their hands. Without the Bible, we know that there is no way for us to grow in Jesus Christ. So the Bible is the most needed as a Christian. And also, we can use as the weapon for our activities. And this is... A one-on-one soul winning so most of our missionaries are in a very remote area and facing some persecution they visited and knocked the door to the house to house and whenever the Lord opened to the people they shared the good news one-on-one soul winning program this is the most effective way for us to win and uh, this is uh, one of the baptism service and this one also, Peter Fees, one of your the temple's support men, his name is Peter Fees, uh, baptizing more than 24, more than 20 people. And this is evangelistic evangelistic meeting. Uh, lots of Lipian people got saved and a new church has been started. Lipian, there is one of the legions called Lipian. Among the Zomi people, my own people, they deny Jesus Christ. They deny the living word of God. They have their own Bible. They have their own Savior. And these are the very, very strong people in their belief. But by the grace of God, by one of our missionaries, uh, Brother Zom, God, a chance to preach the word of God to them. And the first time, they were about twenty-five people got saved and took water baptism as a testimony of their faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we, just before I came here, and they had another evangelistic meeting, and there also they have been baptized about another twenty people as they became uh, a believer. And this is a new church where look like. In Myanmar and this is the Bible distribution and uh, and this one also tribal the Zomi Bible distribution and this is the house, house church look like this is a Bible study group Bible study is one of the most important thing after the people became new believers the people became believer until and unless they read and study and know the Bible, there is no way for them to become maturity in Christ. That's why we have a Bible study group in the different places and states and suited through the Bible study also, we can win another man to Christ. And this is the Riverside Slum area. Brother Dustin and Jason will be very much familiar with them. And these two men preached the word of God to these people. They were very, very poor and they were, they need the gospel of salvation urgently. And by the grace of God and the Lord has opened their heart and they accepted Jesus Christ and they, 17 people were baptized on that day. Yeah. And in all this. With the help of this Temple Baptist Church, you have sent us for to help the flood victims, the flood survivors, and will help we help them. And at that time also, we got to share the word of God to them. And another 19 people have saved and took water baptism. And thank you for your help. You are not only helping their physical needs; you are also helping their spiritual needs, also. And, uh, <clears throat> and our ministry, the missionaries need uh, a motorbike for to reach more people quicker to bring the good news of salvation. So some people have a, a motorbike that's were too old already, but some. Do not have the motorbike, so it is our prayer that the Lord will give us a way to provide a motorbike for the missionaries, so that they can reach uh, many more places in a very short period of time. And here is the list of uh, the uh, the people who need a motorcycle very urgently. And these are the people who are supported by this church. I believe. You will be praying for them. And here is uh, the Myanmar niece, your prayer. I and the Myanmar niece, your prayer. As we, have, as we have sung a song just now, we are not ashamed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the people who are not ashamed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though there are difficulties, even though there are trials and temptation. They are moving forward to share the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need your prayer. I believe the gospel is the most urgent thing in this world. So as we are going out, we need your prayer. And one motorbike cost will be about $650. And also besides that, we need uh, tribal Bibles like Lahu Bible, Wa Bible, Zomi Bible. I believe most of them will not familiar with them, but I want to mention. And Lahu, the Xian, and many, many tribal people live in Myanmar. So we need some of the tribal languages. Uh, some of My Zomi Bible language will cost about six dollars per Bible, and another will cost about eight dollars per Bible. So we need your prayer, as well as and I want you to pray for our missionaries and to have a full support for so that they can have they can do more for God's kingdom in the days to come. And uh this is a short presentation of my ministry. There are many things that I want to share. But uh, I think the time is not uh, sufficient. So I'll end up my presentation over here and read one Bible verse from the book of Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. This is our this is our main theme for the ministry in Myanmar. So, the twenty verse said, "Teaching them to observe all things, whoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world." Amen. So, this is uh, my. This is, my, this is my prayer that the Lord will do many more amazing things in Myanmar in the days to come through our missionaries. Now, we have 59 missionaries across Myanmar. So, please do pray for us so that we can win more souls and plant more church so that we can turn Myanmar upside down for the glory of God. We need your prayer, we need your help, and we need your uh, continued prayer for our ministry in the days to come. Thank you so much, Temple Baptist Church for joining us in those needs and our ministry. Thank you. God bless you and America.
0: Most of you know Brother Ben Bounds. He's our missionary with Faith International Partners. Let's give him a round of applause. He almost looks as good as me. Just out of curiosity, how many of you either live in the countryside or maybe you grew up in the countryside? Wave that. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Goodness. At least 80%. Praise the Lord. And uh, hey, for, for the benefit of you uh, urban people, my first year out of the ministry, I lived in Orlando, Florida. And I've lived in uh, Melbourne, Florida. I've lived in Los Angeles, California. And since 76, I've lived in the Nashville area, but since 76, no, since 83, I'm back in the rural area, okay? Now, Brother Paul did get his first taste of something familiar last night, and that was rice. Now, tomorrow morning, we're going to give him a, sure enough, southern breakfast. We're going to feed him southern ice cream and cackleberries with sow belly and and, cow save and OJ and java. We're going to fix him up with a real southern breakfast. Now, for you that's from a little further north and you didn't understand any of that terminology, or oh, forgot the cat heads. The southern ice cream is grits. The cackleberry is hen fruit, also known as eggs, okay? And the sow belly is bacon. The cow salve is real butter. The cat heads are biscuits. <laughs> you know the OJ is orange juice and the job is coffee, okay? So, <laughs> so, that's a little more education for some of you. All right, so we are the bounds, and we are working in the 1040 window, more specifically, in three countries of Southeast Asia, Myanmar, which you've just heard from, Cambodia, southern Vietnam, northern Vietnam, and India. Now we're going to focus our attention today on our uh, project in northern Vietnam. Now, this is one of my favorite verses of scriptures in all the Bible. You've probably heard other missionaries share this as a theme verse. It's Psalm 2:8, "Ask me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance." And the uttermost part of the earth for thy possession. Now, listen, folks, as we're partnered together, God has given us the heathen for our inheritance. Tens of thousands of people just through your partnership with us have been brought to Christ through the national missionaries that, that we've been supporting in these four countries. And not to mention the other missionaries that you support in other parts of the world. When you get to heaven, you're going to be flooded with people you've never seen or heard of before coming up and say, "Thank you, thank you so much for giving to send your missionaries with the gospel of Jesus Christ, so I can be here with you." Now listen, that's going to be part of your greatest reward in heaven, as Paul said concerning some of the churches where the people he'd won to Christ, is, "Is you are my joy and my crown." Wow. Now, how many of you have trophies at home for different athletic competitions and beauty pageants and things like that? You ever tried talking to them? They don't talk back, do they? I did all the school sports and I grew up in our family sport of boxing. My old, at home, our upright grand piano was lined with trophies, including two Mississippi State Championships and one Mid-South Championship. But I talked to those trophies and they never would talk back to me. But our trophies of grace people that have come to Christ because of our witness and because of our giving, we'll be able to communicate and fellowship with those trophies Amen. for all eternity. Man, what a blessing that is going to be. Now, <clears throat> in um, Vietnam the population is 94 million. It's only 8% Christian. There's 79 tribes of late. You look on the computer and it says 54. What's the difference? The government is forcing some tribes to call themselves by the same name as neighboring tribes, though there's no connection between them. Culture and customs are different; don't even speak the same language. So that's an explanation of that difference on that. Okay, uh, many of these tribes are totally unreached, and of the tribes that have been reached with the gospel, there's many areas that are still completely unreached, and it's these unreached areas. That we are are focusing on with our ministry. Something of interest the uh, rural areas and the third world countries contain 85% of the population. In the United States, our rural population is now less than 50%. Now, when missionaries go to countries to share the gospel, they're usually going to settle in town. Reason is simple their wives like electricity running water, and a market down on the corner. (laughs) Those things don't exist in the rural areas. But I'm a country boy, and that's where my heart is, and that's where 85% of the population still live in the uh, third world countries, okay? So, uh, that is the area we're focusing our ministry on there, all right? Uh, One of the key things, of course, with, with the indigenous missionaries is their training, we require that the men have a minimum of 18 months of Bible college training already, okay, and that is available. Very few of them have a four-year Bible education, even less have a, a, a seminary degree, okay. So, so, what we do when we go in there is teach three and four day Bible conferences. And here I am just last month teaching a Bible conference to about 50 missionaries, indigenous missionaries in northern Vietnam. This is in, um, can't remember the name of the town now they're hard to pronounce sorry (laughs) okay all right this is Miss Yin. she was my interpreter for this Bible conference there and this church by the way is the church where our young new national director pastors uh, they're about an hour and a half um, east of Hanoi closer to the Pacific now to see what the the tribal people uh, are really like it's, it's good to catch one of the roadside villages on market day which is typically on a Saturday on that on market day the tribal people will come down out of the mountains to sell their produce and their wares if they're very far away they'll come down on Saturday get a good spot on the street sleep on the street <laughs> and be ready to start selling produce the very next morning okay so you're, you can see the different dress of the different tribal people and get an idea of uh, the, the, the distinguishing difference. These, these are, are Yale people right here. Um, Some more of the Yale. And you notice they come that mothers come down with the babies. Okay, there's no babysitter, and there's no baby formula, <laughs> no bottles. Okay, so mama takes the baby with them. Uh, see the baby on the back of the lady on the left. See the baby on the lady on the left, under that blanket on her back. Yeah, there's an infant out of there. They bring their, uh, their, their, their little ones and uh, the little girls get started uh, bartering and selling the produce at an early age. They bring the teenagers down with them. These are, are a Hmong tribe, okay. Uh, here's some of the teenagers coming down with them. And even the elderly grandmothers come down out of the mountains to, to sell their produce, to sell their wares, to help eke out a living and their mountain existence there. Okay, now let's leave the main highway. Take a gravel road. We'll drive as far as we can. They'll usually meet us at a point where the road stops for the motorbikes and take us farther up the mountains. And sometimes we have to get off the motorbikes and walk the rest of the way. So again, we are talking people in the remote areas. As we travel, we get to look down on the beautiful mountain sides where the uh, stair-step rice paddies are and the homes scattered across the mountains there. Just beautiful scenery, beautiful countryside there. And uh, they'll know we're coming. Most of them have cell phones. Get them very cheap over there. China's just across the border. So, uh, uh, they'll be, the husbands and wives, of the, of the missionaries will be preparing us a, a meal on their modern cook stove. Typical kitchen, okay. Just wood or charcoal. Wow, look at that delicious meal they've prepared for us. Their homegrown garden vegetables and their, their free range chickens. And uh, the rice that grow themselves in those patties, wow, I never lose weight on a mission trip. Okay, so here we are in, in this little house church enjoying a good meal with, with, with a pastor who's in the green shirt on the right-hand side of the screen there. And he has several of his church leaders, a couple of other missionaries have joined us there good time of fellowship. You see, a major part of our uh, accountability is personal visits, on-site visits in their villages and in their house churches to verify their ministry, to, to assure our sponsors that the men are on the job, doing what they're supposed to be doing, spending the money for what it's given for. There must be accountability whether you are foreign or whether you are American. Okay? All right, very few of the men have a permanent building such as this just for a church, and they can only do that when they get some occasional outside help. So these are a couple of those permanent buildings there. Now go with me. Let's travel up a steep mountain trail in a dense jungle. I, I kind of timed our trip here so I know how to give you a little more idea of what's happening. Thirty-five minutes on this uh, jungle trail going up the side of this mountain and uh, Finally, we break in the clearing way on up the mountain there, and then we're going to walk another 35 minutes along the, uh, the rice paddies on the mountain sides there, just beautiful scenery along the way. We're going to cross a few streams, and after some more walking, we're going to meet three guys on motorbikes, and they're going to take us for 55 minutes on the muddiest and roughest trail I've ever traveled on. And I grew up in the sticks of South Mississippi, okay, traveling the woods trails, hunting and fishing and those sort of things. All right. We finally, after 55 minutes on the motorbikes, get to Brother Trong's mountaintop house church. And uh, we go in and we have a delicious meal with him. He is on my left there. And he's only been in this area one year. He's already established this house church. Uh, a, a Christian who lived there before gave him this house for the ministry, So that's a freebie, okay? Um, and he's won 55 people to Christ in the first year here. And he's planted two other house churches and neighboring Provinces. Now, their provinces are huge. They're as big as some of our smaller states. They're much bigger than a typical county here in the United States. So, he is doing an excellent job with his ministry. Uh, here they are in a home setting, door to door evangelism, just like Brother Paul explained that they're doing in Myanmar. And when they win these families to Christ, they give up their idols, they give up their fetishes. You see, they're steeped in either Buddhism, but most of the mountains animism, which is basically spirit worship, evil spirit worship, Satan worship. And they have their wizards who drain them of their, of their fruit, their produce, their livestock for sacrifices to these demons, especially if they get sick and they come to the wizard or to the Buddhist shaman for healing. They demand these animal sacrifices and of course they enjoy it as a good meal. And, and it keeps the people impoverished. When you give up for instance a water buffalo you've just given up your John Deere tractor. Now you're reduced to hoeing uh, to farming with, with hand tools to give you an idea on that. Of course they are baptizing their new converts by immersions. Uh, we, we are Baptists in beliefs. Our doctrines are the same, okay. Uh, this is a group, a house church from the Yao tribe. There's a Yeoh tribe and there's a Yeo tribe descending Pronunciation of the latter syllable there, okay? All right, now, whoops, let me back up here. Uh, I'm going to have to turn to read this a little better. Now, we just started supporting the first 45 men the first quarter, okay? And this is the effectiveness of of these men uh, just even one, the very first quarter this year, three months. It takes this long now to get the reports sent and translated and and all the tallies, uh, figures valid. They, these 45 men evangelized in 281 of these mountain villages. They witnessed 1,032 professions of faith among the Buddhist and animist people, those evil spirit worshipers. Now, you say, how in the world could they win that many Buddhist and animists to Christ who have never heard the Gospel before? And some folks tell me, particularly unsaved people, why do you want to go over there and, and, and disturb these people? They're happy in their own religions. No, they're not happy in their own religions. As I mentioned before, the shamans and the wizards are bleeding them dry of their finances for the sacrifices, and they never have any peace, and they never really experience any healing if they go there with a health problem for that reason. They are not happy in their religion. They're miserable. And think of this now. We're not ashamed That's right. of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth. And the Buddhist shaman and the animus wizards can't touch the power Amen. of the living God right. and of our risen Savior. By the way, the Buddhist monks have been asked, what is the state of the Gautama, the original Buddha, contemporary of Isaiah? He is in a state of unconscious repose. I just shouldn't be dead myself. <laughs> they have no hope. But we serve a risen Savior, amen? And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Our Northern Vietnam Project is to enlist 50 of these missionaries. We already have 45, just got a new application in this week. Our, our National Director, Brother Kong, is doing a great job. Uh, and it's for them is to establish house churches in the unreached villages, unreached areas and tribal areas. The land purchase, we've done our homework, is going to cost us an average of about $2,000. To build a house church will be about $6,000. And then we'll move that missionary family into that house church. Now, you don't start with buying the land and building the house church. They may not be accepted in that village. It's the same in Jesus' day. When they sent the 70 out, says, if any village doesn't receive you, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Human nature is the same. But in the villages that accept them, accept Jesus as their Savior, and they establish a house church in that unreached area, then we'll buy the land and build a house church. Um, And and with with the the matching funds of $150,000, we can build just over 18 of them. More if we can get some of the land plots donated by a new Christian, okay? Time will tell. Time will tell. Now, this missionary will train Timothy's from within his church through this discipleship program. They'll use that church as, a, as an evangelism center. That pastor will train evangelism teams and go out to surrounding villages and to continue to duplicate the process to evangelize the unreached villages of that area or of that tribe. All right. Now, this is a typical house church. This is kind of our pattern. This is the plan. Roughly 24 by 48 in size, and one big open room on the inside. The husband and wife will sleep in one corner. The boys will sleep in one corner. The girls will sleep in the other corner. The fourth corner will be that kitchen where there will be about a meter square, about a one square yard of concrete or red clay where the wife will cook the meals. Sunday mornings, roll up the bedding. One big open room for the church that's the plan okay all right now I wanted to get into a, a Bible message for you now from the Word of God we're going to talk about two givers we're going to talk about a poor giver and we're going to talk about a rich giver this is interesting how this story begins in the temple now and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury. You ever wonder if Jesus is concerned about whether or not you give or how much you give? Now imagine this, let's suppose we put a pedestal at each aisle right here and we have the offering plates there and we sing the offertory song, a staff member stands in front of each pedestal and Brother Carter stands at the center pedestal and watches every one of them you put your offering in. Even examines your envelope. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That's basically what Jesus is doing here. Now, brother, I'm not suggesting that you do that. But it would be biblical. <laughs> All right. So let's move on now. <clears throat> here we go. Um, and many of that were rich, cast in much. Wow. They haven't even experienced salvation yet, Orthodox Jews. And and there was a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing, and he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, this poor widow hath cast in more than all they which cast into the treasury. Now, I did some Bible study, and I noticed one foot reference that said that that farthing, that two mites, amounted to one and a half cents. Now, that's in my old Schofield Bible, and that was really, <laughs> Schofield designed that back in the early 1900s. I did a little research and applied the uh, inflation effort, and amounted to one quarter of a penny. But let's just say it was a penny. What can you buy with a penny? When's the last time you saw a penny gum machine? Over 20 years? She couldn't even buy a c- crust of bread with that penny, that two mites. I believe it was an act of desperation on her part. Throwing all she had in the treasure and said, God, if you don't take care of me, I'm going to starve. God, if you don't take care of me, I'm going to die. You think God didn't honor her faith? The Bible doesn't tell us what God did for her. But I can hardly wait to get to heaven and check out the DVD (laughs) and see just what he did do for her. Amen? That's the faith. Now, it, it, it's, it's, it runs in conjunction with Paul's admonition to the church at, at Philippi, chapter, in Philippians chapter 4 verses 15 through 19 where he's writing them a thank you letter for their missionary offering. Now the church at Philippi was that poor church in Macedonia that Paul used as a great example of giving in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9 as his writing to the church at Corinth. Now they were not Romans, they were a they were colonized by the Romans and they were kept under Roman rule. They were forced into mining to produce income and the metals to equip the Roman soldiers. And they kept them impoverished. Yet Paul says, and their deep poverty, they gave beyond even what they were able to give by the grace of God. And that verse 19 in Philippians says, close it out, and say, and my God shall supply your need according to His riches in glory, in Christ Jesus. So, for the widow, for the single parent, for the retired people living on limited income, how's God going to take care of you? I don't know. But we can trust Him. Amen? And He'll do as He's promised. What's the point? No offering, no gift is too small for the Savior. In this case, Jesus is more concerned about what she had left over more than what she gave. And she gave all. Now, let's look at a rich family. Now, I'm not going to go to the scripture yet, but tell you who they are. And you may not have think of them as rich, but I'll I'll give you a little insight into it. Remember that two brothers, uh, two sisters and brother, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus. The first finding of them, Jesus And the 12 disciples just drop in at mealtime. 13 hungry men been walking the paths for days, weeks, maybe months sharing the gospel, and they just drop in at mealtime? Didn't even bother to send a text. Now listen, if you were a poor family, what would you have to do to feed 13 hungry men that dropped in? Go to the bank, (laughs) get a loan to go to the store to buy groceries or at least go to market that would give you credit. They just went to the kitchen. Their pantry was full. Their pantry was full. they were well off and prepared a meal for these 13 hungry men. And the indication is it was a common practice for this family. They were very, very close. Now, we're going to move to three of the Gospels. The next story, now that the first part happened early in Jesus' ministry. Now we're going to six days before Passover, six days before Jesus' crucifixion. All right? And we're going to harmonize the gospels. The story is told in three gospels, so we're going to pull out information from each of the three gospels to get the full picture of what happened on this day. Okay? Here we are. We're starting in, uh, in, in Matthew. Now, when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. One more question. In each home, what family member is basically responsible for the preparing and serving of the meals? What family member? The wife, the mother. Amen? Okay. Okay. We're in, we're in the house of Simon the leper. First time we've seen his name. Where Lazarus was, which had been raised, had been uh, had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, there made him a supper, and Martha served. Catch my drift? We'll come back to that. <clears throat> then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly. These are rich folk. Like Matthew, the tax collector that Jesus called. Like Zacchaeus, the wealthy tax collector that Jesus saved. Like Joseph of Arimathea, the rich man that buried Jesus in his own new tomb, hewn out of the rock. Very costly. And anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with their hair. The reference to Luke will come back. That's the fourth gospel. Seth, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. Now, John's Gospel clearly tells us Judas is the spokesperson here. But look at the power of influence. The negative influence Judas has on some of the other 12 disciples. And there were some, plural, that had indignation within themselves, plural, and said, why was this waste? Of ointment made for it had been so it might have been sold for 300 pence and had been given to the poor and they plural the other disciples because of Judas's negative influence murmured against her negative influence I've had deacons come up to me after a church service after my presentation and said you know I don't think we should send this money over to the mission field when we've got so many people in America who's got to be saved yet tell me you think everybody in America is ever going to get saved? Or have them saved? I don't believe we should give money to foreign missions until we get everybody in our town saved. You think everybody in Coleman, Alabama is ever going to get saved? Never. So if you did that, you'd never go to the mission field. You'd never send money to the mission field. That's why Jesus made it clear in Acts 1.8, And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both. That means simultaneously, not consecutively both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost part of the earth. All at the same time, both. Not until one is 100% reach, because no area will ever be 100% submissive to the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, okay? Now, let's look at some more other people right here. We're going to look at Mary and this costly gift that she has given. C.I. Schofield, the great Bible scholar, gives a reference here back to Luke. This instance in Luke happened early in Jesus' ministry, probably in His first year, way up in Capernaum on the northern edge of Galilee. Bethany, just across the Mount of Olives from Jerusalem. The exact same thing happened when Jesus is in a Pharisee's house by the name of Simon the Tanner, not the leper, and this sinner... This woman of the street comes in and does the exact same thing that Mary has done. She's anointed Jesus' feet with this expensive ointment and with bitter tears of repentance washed his feet and dried them with her hair. Now with, with C.I. Schofield making the reference to Luke and listen to this, how many here are, are a a detective with a law enforcement agent or have been anyone like this okay okay we use that term mo what does the term mo mean modus operandi what's the point thieves and criminals have a certain way they usually commit their crime they've got this method figured out whether whether it be bank robberies store robberies breaking into houses a same M.O., a same method they used. When I first moved to Henderson, Field, Tennessee, there was a, a band of thieves called the Hole-in-the-Wall Gang. Back when they had the, the, the burglar alarms on the window frames and door frames, they'd, they'd scope out a house, know when the family was gone, come in with sledgehammers, knock a hole in the basement wall, never set off an alarm, go in and clean out the house, what they wanted. The Hole-in-the-Wall Gang. That was their M.O., their modus operandi. These are the only two instances this type of behavior toward Jesus is recorded in the Bible. So a detective would tell you, and C.I. Schofield agrees, it's probably the same Mary. The Bible didn't name her, but the M.O. indicates it. How could that have been? No doubt raised in a godly Jewish home, but in her youth became the prodigal and chose a life of sin. And even though her gift indicated she had done well plying her trade, she was not happy. And she came to Jesus with bitter tears of sorrow and repentance. And Jesus told her, thy sins be forgiven thee. And like the prodigal son, she goes back home to Bethany to her family with a new abundant life given her in Jesus Christ. That's why this Mary would give such a costly gift of worship upon Jesus Christ. Now what about Martha? Did you notice that the first person up there? Simon the leper was not mentioned and the first time Jesus dropped into their home for a meal wasn't mentioned. Listen to this, why wasn't he? Jewish law. Lepers were not allowed to live at home. Lepers were not allowed to live in the same village. They had to live secluded or in leper colonies. This must have been one of the lepers that Jesus had cleansed. And now he's able to come home to his wife Martha. Or maybe after he was cleansed, met and met Martha. Because lepers can't live at home. clear to me this is why this family loved Jesus so much for what he had done for them now the gift was worth 300 pence remember the parable of the farmer who went to the market and hired many men to go harvest in his field early in the morning and he offered to pay them a penny Now, it's not that copper cent we call a penny that penny represented a day's wages for probably a 10 or 12 hour day he went and hired others at noon and more right at the end of the day a penny a day's wages 365 days in a year Jews didn't worship on the Sabbath knock out 52 days you've got other holy days like atonement and Passover and other holy weeks they did no work take out a few rainy days 300 pence represents a year's wages how many of you have ever given a year's wages to Jesus for a special offering And I turned the service over to Pastor Malcolm. What's the point? No gift is too great for the Savior. Thank you.
2: And all God's people said. Here's, I, want, I want to share with you two things. Two things. As our ushers are getting ready, we're going to take up our, our missions project offering. Uh, Today is the day that out of the whole year, out of the whole year, and I need everybody everybody, look at me. Pay attention. This is really important. Today is the day out of the whole year that we take the biggest swing at Satan. It is when when we make one of the biggest uh, dents in his operation, if you will. Uh, And and with that being said, if that's going to take place, then he's going to fight. Are you all with me? He's going to fight. He's going to put up a struggle. He's going to put up a defense. So that will explain if if if, if any of y'all had a bad day or a bad week, that's why. That's why. Uh, he doesn't like what's happening. He doesn't like what we do on this particular day uh, that we have taken each year, every single year for the last two or three, four years. And uh, and so we're we're today we're gonna we're gonna take a big swing at him. And so I thank God for that. Say Amen. And then secondly, secondly. Uh, this is this is what everybody needs to get. This is something what we're doing today, this is something that's going to it's going to be the only thing that's going to go with us to heaven. It's the only thing that's going to go with us to heaven. Uh we can do a lot of things and we can we can we can go a lot of places and and, and you just just look at your Facebook. I mean Facebook tells on everybody uh, cuz we want to put everything on Facebook, where we go, what we buy, what we've done, all these kind of things, this vacation, that thing, that issue. And man, that's great. And and I don't I don't know about you, but uh, the economy's been great lately. Amen. And God has been blessing. But guess what? Every single person in this room is going to stand before God one day for what they do with what God's given them. Are you all with me? Our main purpose, our main purpose is to bring glory to God. Say that with me. It's to? Everybody say it, even in the balcony. Our main purpose is to? The number one method of bringing glory to God according to Scripture is bringing the gospel to those to be saved. That is our number one method. In other words, the very number one priority we have at Temple Baptist Church is to get the gospel to people that don't have it. It's not weddings, it's not funerals, it's not counseling, it's not feeding the poor, it's not touching the community. Besides with the gospel, the number one priority we have is take the gospel to every creature. Somebody say amen. And one day we're going to be held accountable. One day we're going to stand before God. You see, God doesn't bless people just because he likes you. How many of y'all remember the story of Esther? If you don't, say amen. Okay? Esther was incredibly beautiful. God touched Esther with an incredible beauty. So much that it attracted the attention of the king. And the king married her. Now, this is what Esther's uncle told her. Now, don't think, don't think that you are here and and the king married you just because you're cute. You are here for such a time as this. Now, what time was that? They were fixing to be slaughtered, all the Jews were fixing to be slaughtered. And what happened? God gave her an incredible character and an incredible beauty to attract the attention of the king. In other words, her beauty was not for her benefit. Her beauty was for the purpose of the Lord God to save the Jewish people. Does that make sense? God has not blessed America because he likes America better than all the other nations of the world. God has blessed America because there was a day that America was the greatest missionary sending country in all the entire world. And God poured his favor on America. God poured his blessings on America. Why? Because they were accomplishing the purpose. In the heart of God is missions and seeing people saved. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Everybody doesn't get this. Religious people don't get this. But our main purpose is to get the gospel to those who don't have it. And that's what we're doing today. And all God's people say it. Amen. I need my little card. Listen, if you'll take your cards out, if you'll take your cards out, and if you'll look on the very last one, you'll see a little tab. You'll see a little tab, and this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. I want you to fill it out now. Maybe you've already got it filled out and you got it ready, and that's, that's great. But on there is attached your one-time offering. This is for this project in North Vietnam. Did y'all notice, did y'all notice the pictures of walking through, walking through the mountains and then getting on that scooter and going? That's what it's about. Because there are people and places that you cannot get to without one of these. And so that's what it's all about. So that's going to be on there. But also, also is your faith promise what you're going to, what God has told you to give each week, what little, little, little offering on the side above our tithes and our offerings that we're going to give toward missions. Now, I want to, I want to say this about the, 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 the deacon that you said, you know, we should be doing it right here. Well, guess what? There's a lot of people that feel that way and they won't give to missions because they feel like that that, that we need to be reaching uh, America first and we need to be reaching Coleman first. I've got good news. I've got good news. We're doing that. We're doing that. Do you realize we have started DMD and Disciples Making Disciples? It is the same exact pattern that foreign missionaries use on the field. We are going into our community. If they're not coming to get the gospel here, we're taking the gospel to them. And this past week, we've we've just only been in it 11 weeks of training, four weeks of meeting, and we were in attendance this week. 47 people studied their Bible, unchurched people. What are we doing? We're taking the gospel. So if you're not going to give the missions to go to the foreign field, give it so we can reach Coleman. So what does that mean? Everybody needs to pony up today. Say amen. Let's stand. Everyone stand. Everyone stand. We're going to pray. Preacher, what do you want me to do? Whatever God told you to do. I ask you at the beginning of the month to pray and, and, and ask the Lord what he wants you to give today. You see the need is great. You see the need is great. There are, there are countless souls falling off into hell every single day because they don't know the gospel. Listen, we're going to pray right now, and I want you to ask God. And I hope you already have. I hope you already have, and I hope you're already ready. But maybe you're, you procrastinate, uh, uh, and, and I do that a lot. But our staff is already given, and and, and I want you to, I want you to ask God right now, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because one day... One day, guys, we're going to be standing in front of Jesus, and he's going to tell us, I blessed you. I provided for you. What did you do with it? The Bible says we'll all give account. We'll all. So let's do it in such a way that we can stand in front of him with a smile and hear this, hear this. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blessings.